Good day, folks. My name is John, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. This is Hovering Over the Deep. Did you know that the average human lifespan, give or take, is roughly only about 70, 75 years? And this is, of course, barring a great many variables. Of course, untimely deaths and... Uh, sickness and ailments and just the natural proclivities of life but generally speaking we can assert that in 2020 the average human will live about 70 years that's not bad actually that's pretty good we don't really think about this on a daily basis we don't really consider to coin and quote a phrase, the moment you are born, effectively you start dying. You have a shelf life. And we don't typically think about these things, especially when we're younger. We don't think about our mortality when we are younger. In fact, generally speaking, we don't think about our mortality at all until something causes us to suddenly start considering it. For men, oftentimes it's a heart attack. For women, maybe it's just... Uh, you know, children starting to leave the house. There's a lot of variables in there that cause us to start thinking about these things in ways that we never would. Certainly, when the news starts proclaiming rampant deaths, we start to think about it a lot. Now, supposedly, the number one killer in America is something called heart disease. And we typically know that heart disease comes from great many things, genetics, uh, smoking, eating uh, fatty foods, overindulgences, obesity. There's a lot of things that cause heart disease. Heart attacks, and the heart is a very important uh, tool in our body. It's very, very useful, does a lot of things. Without it, we really generally couldn't survive. And I want you to think about these things as I'm talking for a little bit. Because we're going to talk about death again. I am reminded of a phrase that Captain Kirk said in The Wrath of Khan. I may or may not have spoken of this before. I don't really recall. If I have repeated myself, I do apologize. Sometimes I make a lot of recordings and not all of them get published. But in the Wrath of Khan, Kirk pontificated about death with Savak, uh, Lieutenant Savak. Is not how we approach death just as important as how we approach life? Interesting. Is not death a part of life? Is not death the ultimate outcome for every single living thing on this planet? In fact, to my knowledge, nobody gets out of here alive. And that is an axiom. And we have a lot of axioms in life. Usually, if something goes outside of that axiom, we would tend to think of it as a miracle. And of course, I'm referring to God who defeated death, who showed us what it was like to live, 
truly live and what the possibilities of having faith and repentance are. I'm not going to get into that now. However, I do want to point out a few other things. There's another axiom that we have to look at. What goes up must inevitably come down. That is to an axiom. It's how we operate in life. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Now, I'm not going to get into a lot of things because there are certain entities out there that would, maybe you could say, find ways to silence and diminish a voice. I'm not going to say much about any one thing in particular, but let's consider some axioms. Let's consider the axiom of what goes up must inevitably come down. And for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. What, uh, what, what, what did the bard once say? Prick me, do I not bleed? Wrong me, do I not revenge? Hmm. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We could say it in the inverse. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We're talking about cause and effect, of course. Now, let's keep in mind that 70 to 75 age bracket. Because that's important to consider. You know, if I were to be a prophet... If I were to cause fear and panic, if I wanted to find a way to control people, or maybe cause people to panic over something, I would first predict the obvious. I would find a way to come up with a rather obvious scenario or proclivity. And I would embellish it in a way that would strike fear in the hearts of people. Now, if I were a good scientist, maybe a good meteorologist, I could adequately predict, to a certain extent, the natural... hmm, ebb and flow of life. We do this with the weather, typically. Now, from a scientific perspective, it's kind of hard to predict the weather to certain degrees of accuracy, although we do a fairly good job of it. We've studied it long enough, and we can sort of kind of guess where it's going to get and where it's going to go to a reasonable degree of accuracy. Now, with that in mind... You could possibly say that if I were to advertise these predictions of meteorology, maybe sunspot cycles, I might be able to predict certain proclivities such as the earth is going to get warmer. And then maybe you could say that I am going to predict that the earth is going to get cooler. And then maybe you could say that based on observational data, 
maybe you could say based on understanding how the tides ebb and flow, understanding certain axiomatic principles, I then could possibly say something along the lines that in X amount of years, the earth is going to be this hot or cold. That would be a truth statement. I could do that. Now, I'm not that good to be able to do. But based on certain causal events, certain patterns that I have observed, I could say that. And you can do a lot of fun things by, well, I don't know, predicting the obvious and convincing people that the obvious is somehow out of the ordinary or extraordinary. Maybe I could say that if I don't stop doing X, Y, and Z, that this would be the outcome of that uh, activity. It doesn't take a genius to know certain things. The odds are stacked against me, generally speaking. If I continually ride a motorcycle or drive in a vehicle at a certain speed at some point or another, chances are I will get pulled over. Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. That's a fairly obvious proclivity, I think. It's a very obvious sentiment and statement indeed. The likelihood of me getting into a car wreck increases drastically when I drive or ride recklessly. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. But talking about causal effects, you know, we live in a world where a lot of people want to predict the future and maybe in a way shift the blame to one thing or another. I remember there was this uh, documentary a number of years ago, well before my time, and I stumbled upon it. It was from, uh, oh, I can't remember who it was from, but it was called The Unchained Goddess. And they predicted that pollution was going to cause global cooling. In fact, they made a Twilight Zone about it. They made a couple of Twilight Zones about it. They made a Star Trek episode about overpopulation. We're populating too much. And that's interesting when you think about it. What would cause people to start thinking about this concept of overpopulation? The George Guidestones, for example, make a statement that is something along the lines of the ideal population for the entire planet. And offhand, I don't remember the number. But you have to wonder what would cause people to start being concerned with overpopulation. Talking about cause and effect. Let's keep this in mind. And let's keep in mind, too, that magical number, 70 to 75 years of age. That is the average. That is the average. 
Now, today is in the year 2021. So let's go back 70 to 75 years ago. And it's kind of difficult to find out what people were doing, statistically speaking, because we didn't really start keeping records quite that far back as we do today. In fact, by all accounts, you don't start to see much until the 1950s. But if records are accurate and honest, we could say that the population was starting to decline a little bit in the 1930s. And a lot of that could be for a couple of reasons, one of which is, well, there was a war. In fact, there were two wars, two great world wars. And I would say that those two great world wars knocked out a lot of the population. You saw it go down a little bit. But then, but then, you saw something else happen. You saw a sudden spike in the birth rate. And we know that spike today known as the baby boomers. And why were they called the baby boomers? Because there was a boom. A boom in the population. Suddenly, babies were being born. In fact, so many babies were being born, it seems that there were reports of women going into nursing homes because the hospitals couldn't handle the output of the sudden population explosion. The sudden population explosion? of about 70 to 75 years ago? Wait a minute here. Are we starting to see something? I am. And maybe I'm wrong about it. Perhaps I am. But it seems to me that if we had a sudden population explosion about 70 to 75 years ago, it stands to reason, based on the longevity of the average human life, that 70 to 75 years later, we would start to see a sudden decline or maybe a spike in the death rate. Well, that's a very interesting thing to consider now. Because if I were a smart person, and I am not a smart person by any stretch of the imagination... And maybe I wanted to create certain initiatives. And maybe perhaps I wanted to, oh, I don't know, obfuscate a proclivity that was bound to happen anyways. Do you not suppose it would be wise of me to use a proclivity in a situation in life that was a normal, naturally occurring situa situation and maybe amplify it? A little bit? Maybe I would report in the news people dying en masse. Maybe I would start to report every single day, every single hour. Maybe I would start to use social media to notify everybody the moment somebody 
died of a singular cause. But what's striking to me, when you look at data, when you start to consider data, what's striking to me is that there seems to be a high instance of people in a singular age bracket, all of which are facing the end of their life. Now, if I were a smart man, and I am not, maybe, just maybe, what I might do is I might start to say, well, you see, we need to change our ways because look at all of the people who are dying. All of those people between the 70 to 80 age bracket. And there suddenly seems to be a lot of people in that age bracket who are suddenly dying. And to be sure, it would seem to me that when you have a large spike in the population, to reiterate, you would have a large spike or a significant increase in the mortality rate. Now, I'm not saying that it's not heartbreaking. I'm not saying that it's not tragic. But such is the drama of life. I have long since reconciled, and though sometimes it does bother me greatly, that someday I may be without my wife, and someday my wife may be without me. I am without my father, and someday I will be without my mother. And my mother and my father had already lost their parents long before. Everybody is going to lose somebody, and we are all going to lose somebody close that we love. This is a part of life. Death, a long time ago, used to be personal. We used to accept it more than we do today. Now, death is sanitized. Death is something that we do over here, not in the homes, not in the fields. Death is something that happens in isolation. We don't die in our homes anymore, generally speaking, surrounded by family and friends. No, we die in a sanitized hospital. We are removed from it. Unfortunately, sometimes in warfare, we no longer get up and close and personal with the person we are killing. We do not draw our swords and look the person we are killing in the eye. We don't do that anymore. We kill from afar. We kill with machines. We don't have to sully ourselves with the realities of death. Oftentimes, death is looked at little more than a video game. If I die, I'll respawn. How many times has the little character on the screen died and you have a one-up that gives you an extra life and there you are playing again, resurrected as if nothing ever happened? No, we do not think about death. But to go back to the phrase, is not how we handle death just as important as how we handle life? 
Are these not the realities of life? At some point or another, somebody that you love is going to die. And I have also reconciled, too, that there are a number of people that I have encountered in my life that I will not see in the afterlife, in the true life, in the life that the Lord God had intended for us. There are people that I know to this day and there will be people that I know that I will not see in glory in the kingdom of heaven. I am well aware of this. It saddens me, but there's not much I can do about it. Furthermore, there are people that I would never expect to see in the kingdom, bathed in the Lord's glory, but yet there they will be, repentant, washed free of their sins in faith by the grace of God. This is intriguing to me. But I will stand by them, unified in Christ. But the reality is, whenever I lay my head down, the natural causes of life have taught me, whenever I lay my head down at some point or another, I will wake up somewhere talking about the ebb and flow, and the predictable patterns of life. I do hope, and in faith I believe, that I will wake up in the Lord's keep, in the house that the Lord has prepared for me, in the room that the Lord has prepared for me. Of course, these are metaphors to help us understand a greater truth. But the reality is, at some point or another, my time... Your time, all of our time here, is fleeting. In fact, the longer, the longer that the planet exists, the more years that go by, the shorter our time is compared to the whole of existence. 70 to 75 years, ideally, in a world that has 6 to 8 thousand years of recorded history is nothing. In fact, you don't even know the majority of the people that are on this planet. Certainly, nor do I. I couldn't even quantify a percentage-wise of how many people I know compared to how many people there are. But how many people know one singular person, i.e. a celebrity or a famous musician, is far more than most people ever do know. One musician can be known by more people than more people can know of one person. Isn't that interesting? I think I said that properly. <laughs> if not, forgive me, but I think you get the general idea, I hope. But our time here is fleeting. And how we approach these days of ours... How we approach them is just as important as how we live them. At some point or another, you will die. I'm sorry to say. But where you put your faith and where you wake up after you close your eyes, after this mortal coil has been released, after we are, our consciousness goes to wherever it goes, Maybe for the first time, waking up in the real world depends entirely on you and where you put your faith. It's 
hard. It's tragic. It's wonderful. There are so many things that come from this. And to be sure, this is not the way it could have been. But it is the way that we chose. It is hard when we lose people. But it is part of life. And these are some things that we should consider with a little bit of humility and a little bit of respect. For you only have one life on this planet to live. An eternity, and in an eternity, to either rejoice in it or regret in it. Now that's very interesting. I have committed many sins. I am far from perfect. But I have asked the Lord to forgive me for my petulance, for my intemperance, for my foolishness. At one point, I did not recognize the damage that I caused. But now I know. I've seen it firsthand. That's all I've got for you today, folks. I hope you glean something from this. And I hope this recording turned out as well as I think it did. Until next time, folks, I bid you good day, God bless, and peace be to you.